passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the Rewind Around with John Pollock and Waiting the A-Team. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's Rewind Around for Monday night. Download a Tuesday morning from the post-wrestling site. It's Rewind Around for Monday night on USA Now on the John and Wade Take the Mic. Hello, everybody. We are live with Rewind Around. I am John Pollock, and I'm joined by... Mr. Waiting. Hey, John. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing well. Yeah. Cool. How was your weekend? Um. How was my weekend? My weekend was pretty good. I got a Christmas tree. You got a tree, like a real tree. A real tree. Yes. Ooh. Okay. Is this usual? Do you always get a real tree? Um. We got a real tree. We had had a fake one for a while, and then we went. I think we got we we got a real tree last year. I can't remember before that if we had gotten one but this year we went to this uh this tree farm to actually cut one down Mm -hmm. i thought fun what would what would be more fun and more easy than taking a four-year-old and a one-year-old on a hour-long car ride each way to go cut down a tree what could possibly go wrong nothing no piece of cake yes i Concluded at the end, I said, all right, guys, I hope everyone had a great time. It's going to be a few years before we try this again. I could imagine. Like, um, so the only time I, my family's ever done like the Christmas tree thing was was one year where like um, I, I you know, it was my request and my parents were very happy to oblige and I'll remember it forever. But I also remember the terrible cleanup afterwards, you know, like pine needles all over your house. Um and, you know, let's be honest, like, we kept this thing in there till March. So, well, that was, well that as was a child, way, did you ever take a pillow and decide to throw it at the Christmas tree? Thus, the bulb, uh, one of the bulbs falling and shattering all over the floor. Did you ever do that? Uh, that I have not done. Oh, um, okay. Then you're not at, uh, you're not, you're not at this level yet. Yikes. Okay. So, so a, a broken bulb already. Yeah, Which today's, one was- today's lesson was don't throw pillows at the Christmas tree. Was it the young one or the uh, the younger one? The young one. Oh my! The younger one does not have the ability to throw a uh, a pillow yet, but Damn. is getting there. Lesson learned, though. You know now now he knows. Uh, Don't throw things. <laughs> now he knows. Yes. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you're enjoying this fine banter, you're going to get plenty more of it on Tuesday. It's the return of the Ask Away Mailbag, a show that might be our version of Johnny Gargano. We don't know. Maybe maybe we're going to say it's it's been a good run. Maybe we're going to wear all of our mail from the last four years for this show. We don't know. We don't know what the future of Ask Away is, but we know that it's coming on Tuesday. Well, really? I, I didn't know that Ask Away was, was in doubt. I didn't know what we were doing with Ask Away. We oh. kind of like had it up in the air and then didn't talk about it, but we're doing it tomorrow. No, no, it's still in the schedule. You know, it's a it's a show I always enjoy, but for some reason we kind of missed out last week. So or last month, I mean. So we've got a huge mailbag. Like this will probably be double the size of of a show. So extra large edition of Ask Away coming out tomorrow. 
Yes, yes. I skimmed through some of the questions. It looks it looks pretty good. Um, okay. Questions like, um, would you rather have short arms and long fingers or long fingers and short arms? I don't want questions mm. like that. I will be skipping that one. And that will spell the demise of Ask Away. So I, I do, I do appreciate. Uh, I, I know all of all of you out there. We're all aspiring comedians in our mind, but uh, there's a lot of questions to get through, and ones like that uh, we can do without. So see, I need to know with all, someone, with all need, due respect. It, I, it's good you told me that one in advance because, like, sometimes I'll read them and I'll be like, uh, I don't know if this will offend John, so I'll read it. Thinking that it wouldn't offend, but then it would actually. It depends offend. on my mood. It depends on my mood. When when we've got like forty five questions to get through, and we're like an hour and a half deep, and we're getting that one, um, I probably uh, have less of a sense of humor than if it was maybe the second question, and I'm uh, I'm all ready to go with high energy. Okay, got it. Okay. Well, anyway, so that'll be out on the cafe feed, everybody. It is December, so thank you all for joining us. In addition to that, um, these are all going to be double recording days because, as usual, we will be back at one o'clock. For our daily, post-daily news update up at youtube.com slash post-wrestling. And of course, audio will go out to all the patrons right afterwards as well. Okay, you can check those out live every day this week at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. YouTube.com slash post-wrestling. Wednesday, we've got Rewind to Dynamite coming your way. On Thursday, the British Wrestling Experience comes to post-wrestling with Martin, Andy, and Benno. MCU later. I understand you have a special guest on Thursday night show. That is correct. The one, the only, Jojo Remy returns. Uh, many, many longtime listeners of Japanese audio wrestling will remember Jojo, of course. And uh, he makes his return, not to talk about Japanese pro wrestling, but to talk about the MCU and Hawkeye. So I'm, I'm very excited for that because he is actually currently reading the uh, Hawkeye-inspired comic book run by Matt Fraction right now. So I'm excited to talk to him. That looks... Uh... That, that will be excellent. I finished Squid Game, and Hawkeye might be next. Ooh, okay. Wonderful. Yes. Uh, yes. Thoughts on Squid Game overall? Uh, it was an excellent series. I, yeah. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I thought I thought you could enjoy it on, on many levels. Like, it's quite a statement about capitalism, about the healthcare system. It's I, I thought it to be just a fantastically written show. And when I was reading that the fact that it was one dude that pretty much wrote this thing... Uh, I can understand why it's this incredible burden that everyone's demanding a second season now. So I'm going to be the one to say, listen, I love this series. I thought it was a fantastic watch. Take the rest of your career off if you need to. We don't need a second season. This thing was great. I don't need a follow-up. It's great. It's a great one season. I mean, I feel like he'd be, he's pretty happy about having a second season because uh, I don't know what the contracts are like with these type of... Do you know what, what kind of shows? pressure is on this guy to, to I top do. this? I do, but think about the money that he must be making right now. Because I don't, I can't imagine he signed for that much. I mean, I, again, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what, especially what a Korean, you know, uh, Netflix deal might be like. But, but if he asks, well, one writer he asks for like for, nine episodes, one yeah. guy. Oh yeah, sure. That's a, that's a lot. But listen, whatever he asks for, I feel like he would get. You know, second he would. or third season. So that's incentive right there. It's it's not. It's it's very. It's it's on on that guy. I don't. I don't think Netflix. My God, they'd probably offer him equity. Um, it's a great. It's a great series. Check it out. But you probably did three months ago when it came out. I'm not. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't oh. at the the starting line when this came out. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. At least you you caught it, caught it. So I, I'm sure people are happy to talk to you about about it. Friday, we've got rewind to SmackDown. It will be waiting and. Kate from Montreal, who will be on the show this Friday. So look out for that. 11.15 Eastern, live for all patrons. And then our coverage on Saturday, we'll see myself and Mike Murray doing the ROH Final Battle Show. That will be for patrons only. And on the, on the free feed will be the UFC 269 post show with Phil Chertok and Eric Marcotte. And the week rounds out with WrestleNomics Radio with Brandon Thurston and Chris Gullo. So another packed week on the schedule here at PostWrestling.com. I'm looking forward to Every second of it. Also, a bit of a schedule change. We were supposed to have the Nubian Wrestling Advocates' uh, latest episode coming out on Saturday. They've, they're having some scheduling issues, so they're going to be delayed, which means that the long and winding Royal Road, there will be a brand new episode this weekend, starting on Saturday on the Post Wrestling ca- uh, regular feed. A so, shorter road this week, this month. Yeah. Sh- uh, a detour. Shorter. D- okay. Pit stop. Yeah. 
And Tuesday on the new show, we will go through all of the latest uh, news items, including the SmackDown and Rampage numbers. SmackDown taking a, a big hit. Uh, we will go through all of that and much more, whatever are making headlines on Tuesday. But tonight we focus our attention on Raw from Memphis, Tennessee at the FedEx Forum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a nice, respectable name for an arena. It's been named that for FedEx. quite a while. Yes. Yeah. Seth Rollins is in the back. He says they are going to usher in a new era when he becomes champion at day one. So enjoy the show. Big E has gone through hell and back as champion and an obvious fan of our Rocky reviews, quotes, the great Sylvester Stallone. There is no easy way out. There's no shortcut home. Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, yeah. There you go. And then we get a promo from Owen saying that Big E is the liar, not him. It's not Big E's title. It's mine. And I will become champion in 26 days. I don't think Big E is lying. He is, by definition, the champion. And Owens would be the challenger. But anyway, he's a, he's delusional. He's a delusional heel. Uh, sure. Yeah. They all are. On to the steel cage match to kick off Raw. Owens goes for the door immediately. E spears him into the fence. Uh, this thing went 20 minutes to start off the show. Uh, Biggie fired up with a bunch of belly-to-bellies to get the crowd going. And then Owens is rolling towards the door. He's pulled back. There's a super kick and cannonball by Owens. And then Biggie goes for the door. Rollins appears, slams the door on both Owens and Biggie's head. That sets up the commercial. So Owens is back in control, but then a big ending and stunner are stopped. Owens with a sit-out powerbomb. And then Owens gets uh, up the cage. He is uh, prevented from escaping when... Biggie goes for the big ending and hits it off of the top turnbuckle, and Biggie crawls towards the door. Owens makes a last ditch effort, but is kicked off, and Biggie gets to the floor and wins the match in 20 minutes and six seconds. Thought it was a good match. You know, it kind of felt like a, a house show main event, I would say. No stakes really for it. Just a little bit of action to set up a pay per view main event. And, you know, for the sake of, I guess, filling some airtime here off the top of the show with a big cage match. Why Why is this guy getting a, a title opportunity now after this? I mean, Long, drawn out cage match. He loses fair and square. Well, no, what was Owens putting on the line here? He already got um, he already got the contract. You know, they signed it. Sonya Deville and Adam Pearce agreed that if Seth Rollins interfered, he would get the match. And so he, he didn't even that. win a match to get this title match. It was just because no. of... Uh, Seth interfering. They've not mm-hmm. signed a contract yet. We've got weeks to do a contract signing. I don't know. This uh, oh, Kevin horrible. Owens is a challenger. Not not exactly uh, building this guy up. Well, we all know he's going to take the pin in the match, <laughs> right? Well, there that there's the selling feature of the match. I'm here to take the pin, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, much. it was just this was just like there was no controversy here. It's like you've got two challengers and the champions just like running through these guys each week. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 are you excited I, for this three-way way? Are you like looking at your calendar and being like, "Damn it, when's it January first? I want to see this three-way." For this one, no, not at all. Like, I'm not really buying into the feud. Um, I think I'm excited for it because it could be a great match between the three. You know, especially on a pay-per-view when when these guys are allowed to go, I think it tends tends to more than not be a, a very high quality. But uh, thus far, I, I'm not really getting into the story of it all yet. I I don't think there is much of a story. Like Rollins has, he won the ladder match. He got his title match. And for Owens, it's like I want to hear a reason. Why is this guy getting this match, and why why is he part of this? And we're not really getting that, other than well, he's conniving. Do you need more explanation than that? Yes, yes, I I need more than that. I need more than that for a month until this match takes place. Do you think that they will play up like any sort of contractual status story with uh, Kevin Owens? They're not hinting at it in the least, and it's kind of a weird role to have him in. Um, it's it's more so it'd be interesting. Like his his contract has like almost two months left, so mm. it'll be interesting if they if they play that up anymore. Um, and I think I I wonder if there's going to be sort of a, a look at this. Like I think NXT is going to do a pretty decent number on Tuesday night. There's a lot I think of interest in this episode, mainly for Gargano and to a lesser extent Kyle O'Reilly that. You know, this kind of stuff, it does, I think, get your audience's attention. And it would be that much more if you're doing it on the main roster with a Kevin Owens, if you have a um, a smart way to kind of play that out. 
Totally. Yeah. And we have to see what their philosophy is. I mean, what's going on with Gargano is really interesting because it's not like them to let people give a big goodbye speech if they're, they are leaving towards the competition. So, but maybe, you know, we can wonder what that means that he's getting that time. Um, I'm certainly not expecting Kevin Owens to be, to get the same treatment if he's, you know, if he is indeed leaving for a competitor. This is uh this is like Bret Hart on that episode in Fort Wayne, Indiana coming out the year before he left to say, I'll be with WWF forever. Mm-hmm. And he had the big decision. Vince yep. wanted him to just uh, smear WCW. Brett wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And a year later, forever, forever became a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rollins attacks Biggie on the floor after he gets the win and then goes into the ring. There's a stomp delivered to Kevin Owens, uh, but then gets stopped when Big E comes back with a belly-to-belly and then a big ending to Kevin Owens. So your champion standing strong here. But when we come back from break, all three men are down, and Bobby Lashley had come during the break and just laid out everybody. So now we're getting the tease that this will become a four-way at day one because Lashley just ran through all three of them. Yeah, that I didn't quite expect. You know, um... I mean, Lashley has just always kind of been lingering around. He is certainly a main eventer, but I I didn't see him being added to this. And you know what? Thinking about it, why not? Like, just throw them all in there. Like, <laughs> what? What about a- seven guys in this match? Could we get all <laughs> the men on the roster into this match? To make it a forty-way threat for the first time ever. Threat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Three hundred and sixty-five guys to represent every every day next year oh okay wow brand brand new idea okay cool we don't have a leap year coming up do we no we don't no not not next year i don't think no no but i um, think we had one in uh 2020 right yes so bobby lashley being added i don't know i guess why not like what else is he doing austin theory in um open open invitation queen zelina and carmella are out and zelina Zelina addresses the crowd in her accent, but when she gets annoyed, she goes back to like uh, to her like Puerto Rican accent. So at least they're playing it up now. Like this is this silly accent that she is is clearly being played where it seems like they have been all over the place with whether this accent's supposed to be serious, whether it's supposed to be a total like tongue in cheek deal. I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly never supposed to have been serious. The the problem is it's like, I don't know if it's so crazy and so ridiculous that you're, you, you know, most, most of the audience knows to laugh at it either. Like it's not as ridiculous as a King Booker was. It's kind of somewhere in between where for some reason I would say that the joke of it doesn't always completely land. So ah, it's a work in progress, I guess. I was on the floor laughing. <laughs> she doesn't. That's not her voice. That's not her voice. She's not. She's not from England. Yeah, she's from Queens. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, once I regain my composure, uh, she why is it? Why wasn't that part of like the gimmick? You know, is she? She's actually from Queens. Uh, she's from from New York. I don't want to be specific if it's Queens. Okay. Well, if it was like, I mean, the Queens. That, that's a natural, like, isn't it? Yeah. She is from Queens. Yeah. It would take okay, a whole well, different there meaning. There yeah. Why? Why couldn't she be the, the queen, queen of Queens? Of Queens? <laughs> yeah. She, she is going to send Nikki Ash to the depths of despair, aka this position she's in in the Raw Women's Division. Zelina and Nikki Ash. Uh, Zelina got caught using the rope for leverage. Nikki then missed a high cross, code red, and Zelina wins in. Two minutes and three seconds. Rhea's looking very disappointed. She goes to check on Nikki, and that's it. So Nikki Ash continues to lose and doubt herself. Uh, yeah, that seems to be the the new story. We're re- we're breaking down Nikki's confidence again, so that maybe we can eventually build it back up. I suppose. Uh, but I, you know, you also certainly have the, the tease of a breakup here between her and Rhea Ripley, with Rhea looking disappointed, and we know what disappointment tends to mean. In professional wrestling tag teams. Don't don't ever upset your partner. Don't let them down. Mm. But maybe this is the start for the transformation into Nikki-ish. Nikki is a superhero. Oh, Nikki-ish. Okay. She's going to find out she was always a superhero. Oh, you think so? Not All almost. Right. Yeah, maybe she turns into a super villain. 
Like oh. he as always a shitty, I don't know, human. Always a shitty human. That could be the villain. Okay. Not All as right. marketable. No. Children won't yeah, go not. for that. Randy Orton and Riddle are in the back. Tonight, we are going to have the RK Bronament to determine the number one contenders. Uh, there was something here about Home Alone changing Riddle's life. And they are going to be the guest hosts and correspondents for the tournament as Riddle's in a blazer. He's gotten one for Randy, and he wants Randy to wear it. And backstage, Randy asks out loud, do the people of Memphis, Tennessee want to see me put this blazer on? And... Riddle was actually pretty amusing here. He referred to the voices in his head because he's wearing an IFB. And then as they walked out, Graves thought they may become the Sticky Bandits. A reference I explained uh, to you a few weeks ago. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. From the sequel. Yeah. yeah. Rhea is reassuring Nikki. Reassuring Ripley. <laughs> Not to worry about things. <laughs> when a fan got backstage... Didn't we just have a problem with fans getting too close to the talent? And this this fan just got right up to them. And on no camera. security, right on camera, could and have Mike. tackled Nikki. It's going to be a very dangerous situation. And she says, could I get your autograph? And Nikki goes to say yes. And she says, no, I meant him. And we pan over to Jerry Lawler. And Nikki walks off completely humiliated that she is below Jerry Lawler in his hometown in the pecking order for the young fans out there that want autographs. Is really anybody under the age of like 45 asking for Jerry Lawler's autograph? Do you believe this scene at all? I would imagine at a wrestling convention, Jerry Lawler's line would be way longer than Nikki Ash's. Just to be fair. Which wrestling convention? Any wrestling convention. Cauliflower Alley? I don't know about that. At Access? I mean, in Memphis, yeah, okay, maybe. in Memphis, in Memphis, yes, and this, that's my point. Okay, like this scene works in Memphis. Elsewhere, I don't buy it at all. Uh well, I think this sets up Jerry Lawler versus <laughs> Nikki, Nikki Ash. Ash. Okay, sign me up. AJ Styles and Omos against the Street Profits was our first match in the RK Bronament. Omos, Omos pulls down the rope, so Dawkins falls down to the floor, and they got control of Hawkins after the break. Ford then got the tag and slaps Omos repeatedly and then hits a double drop kick, sending Omos to the floor, but he does not leave his feet. It's amazing how many little things they get right with Omos, like just the littlest things of him not leaving his feet and building this guy as a monster. AJ is in, Inzaguri and Pele kick onto Ford, and then the Brain Buster, he sets up for the phenomenal forearm, but as he's in mid-move, Omos tags himself in, and Omos runs over Dawkins on the floor, the count is going, and he keeps attacking Dawkins until he's counted out in 9.43, and AJ, justifiably, is annoyed at this guy, he says, you've got to listen to me, that's how this team works, and Omos walks out. On AJ. Maybe another tag team's breaking up here. You know, it's a new year. Time to consider that relationship. And maybe start anew. January 1st. Might be. Might be. A, maybe they'll they'll do a vignette of the two on New Year's Eve together. Could be. The, the relationship the, the, has some, gone cold. Painful conversations coming up. Yeah, there is... I think there's at least enough uh, intrigue to see a match between these two. How's that match going to go? I like, don't throughout know. Throughout the entire... A- a- AJ is going to have to put on the performance of a lifetime. Oh, I'm just, saying, that... I'm just saying booking-wise, the, throughout the entire run of this tag team, I mean, AJ has put, been portrayed as, as the slacker with Omos really being the one carrying the team. So I don't think that match would, would be equal or balanced at all. Well, maybe... It's just that's the question is that Omos, like, I, I mean, hey, they have gotten so much more out of Omos than I envisioned. Like, they built up these two finally having a match together, uh, like, as a tag team at WrestleMania. And here we are, and they have still managed to keep Omos pretty limited and in a, a semi-featured spot. But obviously that day is going to come that they are going to split these two up. And I just, I question what the... The long term is with with Omos that that you can go with him. Like, can this guy 
Could it be an eight-way at day one and you put Omos in there? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like he's at least a year away from, you know, any sort of serious title run, don't you? I just don't see how so you can do a, any kind of serious program with this guy in a match that has to a singles match with this guy going eight mm-hmm. minutes. That's a pretty scary proposition. Well, we we haven't exactly seen too much of him in singles context, so maybe he's been working on. Maybe he's practicing like moon salts. We just Could don't be. know it. Riddle interviewed AJ in the ring and calls it a disagreement among a great team, which Riddle would know nothing about. These guys being the tag champions. And he threatens Riddle. He leaves. And then uh, Riddle signs off. Throws to Randy asking, you want to add anything? And Randy's at the commentator's table and just says, nope. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what Randy sounded like. That was that was pretty much his, uh, his response. Schreiber's with Becky and says that Liv has never been hotter and has a lot of momentum. The real battle will be in her head. The fans don't really want her to win, and eventually they turn on you, and she's in the perfect role as the underdog. For me, it's just another Monday for big-time Bex. I'm going to say this. I I thought, like, throughout the show, I thought they did a really good job of building this up as your main event and building up Liv. I thought so, too. Absolutely. There was a lot that we saw today for this particular match that I wish we saw in the weeks leading up to it. Um, and the, you know, the first thing is, is the fact that they managed to tie in this Trish Lita match into it via its anniversary. Of course, the uh, Trish Lita Raw main event, the first women's main event on Raw in Raw history took place. How many years ago to this day? It was 2004. So 17 17 years ago to this day between a redhead and a blonde. And they managed to somehow, you know, tie that in through a series of, uh, text messages from Trish Stratus saying, the blonde wins this time. So that was really nice. And I'm I'm assuming it was just something that was brought up over the week that they decided to tie into it. But that worked out really well, as well as many of the other things we'll get to talk about. Orton and Riddle are in the back. Says that the uh, Riddle's just talking about their segment. And Orton says his broadcasting career is over, takes off the blazer, and leaves. Pretty easy night of work for one Randall Orton. Yeah, like the Orton thing... Like, are we supposed to infer anything that's actually going on in his head right now? Is he so, is he, like, is he annoyed at this guy and he's just holding on because he just can't wait to destroy him? Or, like, what is he getting out of this relationship other than, is it just the tag team championships that he's just... See, see sometimes he is amused by this this stuff and sometimes he seems very annoyed by it. So I think it depends... Uh, much like Ask Away, what portion of the show it is, how late into it is Randy of his of his enjoyment of these antics by Riddle. Like hour one, he's willing to put on the blazer, maybe like a... That's when you get him. Yeah, that's when you sell him on the arcade bronament. Okay. But now we're, two, we're getting right. into hour two, starting to look at his watch. Got to get going. Mm. Damian Priest versus Robert Roode for the U.S. title. Uh Decent match. Ziggler distracted uh, Priest, allowing Rude to send him into the steps and over the barricade. We come back from break. Rude hits him with a blockbuster, and then Priest fights back with the broken arrow, misses with a spin kick, and Rude hits him with the backstabber. Do you realize that next year, Rude will be the same age as one Larry Zabisco at Starcade 97? That is not a thought that I think will ever pop into my head unless... Uh... Without somebody bringing it up, but that, I was kicking myself that we forgot to do the age game last week. Do you know how old Larry Zabisco was during that match with Eric Bischoff? God, I would have guessed fifty, but I guess not if he's Robert Root's age. Forty-six in ninety-seven. Robert Root is forty-six. Wow, he's for Root is forty-five. He will be forty-six okay. next May. Oh, he looks remarkable. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't look uh, and, like Larry Zabisco, but Larry Zabisco yeah. was 46 for that Starcade match. I would say Larry Larry was probably an average, you know, more more closer to average th- uh, of a 46 than. Oh, Bobby well, Rude. I'm saying Rude looks like very few 45 year olds. True. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fascinating. Interesting. Back <laughs> to the match. Uh, glorious DDT gets countered. Rude stops the reckoning. Chokeslam. Chokeslam gets thwarted with a roll up attempt, and then Priest hits the reckoning, and wins the match. But after Ziggler nails Damian Priest. So 
Priest never snapped during the match, but he was given a reason to snap uh, next week when he goes after Dolph Ziggler. Oh, you think the Damien just starts the match? He's going to stay the Damien all week? That's a great question. This is like Festus when the bell would ring, uh-huh. but then the bell yeah. would like signal would like put him back into his regular state. So yeah. maybe Priest snapped after the match, and he never got his hands on these guys. So he may be a menace for the next seven days. Like think about like you know being in the in, on an airplane and in, in the middle seat as the Damien. <laughs> it's not, not going to be a fun. His ride. head's popping up from the seat. That look on his face. Yeah, it's like you know, like like maybe use a public bathroom and like the seat, you know, won't won't stay up. Uh, like it ran, runs out of toilet paper. Like God, like I would hate being the Damien throughout the week. Did you did you see that recap <laughs> someone did of a uh, of a uh, Freddie Prince Jr.'s new uh, podcast where he talks about his time on the on the writing team? I saw some headlines, but that's it. Remind so there was, a, there was a story he shared, and I, I've heard this story that from Freddie Prince Jr. before, but he repeated it on his podcast, and it was when he was in a, in a promo class that Vince McMahon was running, and it was she- Seamus was involved, and it was him. Maybe it was with Drew McIntyre. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who it was with, but Vince's instruction was, I want you two to sound like dogs. For your promo, so they both like are approaching each other, and Seamus starts growling, and Vince storms off. Like, I didn't mean like actual dogs. <laughs> what the fuck did he mean? She, she, I don't know. I don't like know. Human dogs. Dude, watch watch these segments with Austin Theory. This is the guy that's like instructing all these people. Okay. Uh. I don't know what any of this stuff means. <laughs> I, I'm just picturing I, this scene of the, these grown men that have to start growling. I know they recorded some of these, okay? And and oh, it'll be on someday. like Ruthless Aggression season eight. Oh, just put the blank tapes up, please. On the I'll I'll sign up for any tier up of Peacock for that. Uh, Bianca Belair makes her entrance. She's jumped by Dewdrop. This is when they ran a clip of the Trish Lita match from. Uh, Charlotte, North Carolina in 2004, and then they contrast to tonight where Becky and Liv Morgan will headline Raw. So that that to me was just, it was a little thing, but you were able to tie it in, and this match had this added significance to it of Liv Morgan could win the title on the anniversary of this significant match in women's history on Raw. It's just like a perfect use of your library. Uh, pays great tribute to your history and just makes the present day match feel that much bigger. Like it has some significance tied into a 17 year story. Bianca Belair and Dewdrop. Uh, Dewdrop hit her senton, is just destroying Belair for the early portion of this match. Uh, she hit a splash on the floor. They went through a commercial. Belair comes back with a spine buster, high cross, then goes for a sunset flip. Drew, Dewdrop just sits down on her. Dewdrop hits a Vader bomb for a two count, then misses the cannonball, and Belair goes for the KOD. She cannot hit it. Dewdrop rolls to the floor and just walks away, getting counted out in almost 13 minutes. And I guess the what will elude Belair is A, the victory, and B, the visual of hitting the KOD. Mm-hmm. 13 minutes is a long time to go without you know an actual conclusive finish. But uh, it's the three-hour show, and they have a lot of time to fill. But I also don't get mad at the lack of finish in this context because um, I think these two have really good chemistry. You know, I think somebody like Dewdrop is a perfect type of opponent for Bianca Belair, who is able to play the underdog against somebody bigger. Um, Dewdrop is incredibly athletic, so she could do a whole lot with Bianca Belair. And Bianca Belair is strong. So the moment that they do that KOD, it is going to be very memorable. It'll be a highlight reel thing. And I don't think it should be something that should be given away on a one week's build on Raw. So um, it's, you know, I I mean, I don't see them really drag. Can they drag this to day one? That feels like a long ways away. Um, but I don't know if they really need to either. You know, a big addition or just a, a bigger match than this to, to do it will be a, hopefully a big enough stage. Yes. This was also our second count out on the show. Oh, yeah. What was the first one? We had the Street Profits beating. AJ and Omos. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, that's not that good. Vince McMahon's back on his phone. Austin Theory walks in. He says he's a bit sore from the slap last week. Vince asks him, how are you doing? 
and then goes on this diatribe how no one cares when they ask you how you're doing and makes a joke about having jock itch. Yeah, like what? what's going on here? What are these? I know they want to have Vince McMahon on TV. I understand. But like, are they benefiting that much from this? It's not like they're teasing them. And then like the, the, the words that he actually says, I mean, like they all feel like veiled kind of like, um, cries for help. <laughs> like, what are these? What is Vince this saying? Is a, this is a far cry from Mr. McMahon. This feels much more like, um, here's Vince McMahon in 2021. Yeah, like they don't, they they don't. There's no punchline, or at least I, if there is, like they're incredibly. They're very deep. hard to hear. I have to. I all of these segments, I had to watch two times to catch what was being said. What can you repeat? What he said. He said that he wants to put Austin in a match tonight. Yeah, and asks, "Are you? Were you ready for a match tonight? Are you surprised that I would put you in a match?" And Austin says yes, and Vince rolls his eyes as Austin checks his biceps, the idea being that Vince taught him last week to always expect the unexpected. So when he asked him this week, are you surprised? And he said yes. He did not learn the lesson from last week to expect the unexpected. Right, okay. Man. Damn. Uh, Layered. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, Sure, whatever. Like, it makes sense. Yeah. He taught him to be, to expect surprise, and Austin didn't learn the lesson. But was it worth, like, scripting the whole segment around this? Like, I, I think that Brian Cox should start, should be hired to play Vince McMahon. Oh, I would love that. Who would play Austin Theory? Greg. Mm. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe this worked for somebody. If, if it did, let me know. <laughs> Is this helping Austin Theory? That's the question. Um, it puts him in probably, you know, the most high profile, uh, like in a scene with the most high profile guy on the show. Mince TV was next. Uh, this, I thought this was a really strong segment. Uh, Maurice is not here because she doesn't travel to places like Memphis. Memphis just got totally dumped on on this show constantly. <laughs> like this, this awful city that we're in. So Miz says he brings out Edge. Um, says that he's known Edge for 15 years. He's a shell of his former self. Edge says, I meant what I said last week when he was complimenting Miz. Miz comes back saying, I think you've lost your Edge. And Edge just rolls his eyes. What a lame pun. And Miz says, I don't need your kindness. I needed your kindness 15 years ago in 2006 when I was walking around here on eggshells was kicked out of the locker room because I didn't fit the mold and was an outcast. And they knew that I had the it factor and all these guys, including you, were trying to protect your spot, treating me like a peasant when I was coming off the real world and was more famous than 90% of the locker room. Edge says, you're glossing over some key points. You forget that it was in this very arena that I pulled you aside in 2006 to tell you to stick with it, that you were going to make it, and you brushed me off. I came to you because I went through those same things seven years before you did, and I would have listened to any veteran that would take the time to pull me aside. I would also never walk into a locker room assuming I'm a bigger star. I'm not afraid to lose my spot. I don't hold people down. Miz says, you're a hypocrite. I surpassed you. 2022 is going to be the year of the Miz, and I want to ring in the new year by beating you on January 1st. So Edge accepts the match, and Edge wants to fight now. Miz asks the crowd, declines, and as Miz goes to explain that he is not afraid of Edge, Edge just, (laughs) like, psychs him out, and Miz takes a bump here in the ring, and that is how we ended things. I enjoyed this between these two. I thought this was great. I felt like this was like a better, more personal, more concise version of what they started last week. You know, uh, last week I thought was was good, but I I didn't think it got as personal. And maybe they were saving it for the second week. 
But this, I thought, came up with a much more deeper personal reason for why The Miz would hate Edge. And it's one that I think, you know, uh, if you're if you've been around this product for a long time, you can absolutely believe and understand. You can buy that somebody like Miz was completely not taken seriously. And so why, you know, that his accusation that somebody like Edge was trying to protect their spot and never helped him when he needed it. And and you can see why he that would be a super villain origin story for them is. And then Edge came w- with a very good, I think, retort in, in, in defense, saying that he never really did anything wrong. He went through the same things the Miz went, uh, did seven years before that, but he never came in with that chip on his shoulder, and that it was because the Miz was such an asshole that he really did it to himself. Uh, the story I thought was a lot stronger, and you know this this worked as you know a good follow up, but it also really works as I think the the only thing you really need thus far. Uh, so if if the, whenever they do the video recap, I wouldn't be surprised if they just started from this point. Yeah, I th- I thought that the retort was great because sometimes you'll get these like when like M- Miz is actually pretty good at this, but sometimes you will get such a like a scathing speech from the heel that puts them in this like endearing light, which the Miz was like on his way to doing, but he throws in that line about I'm more, I was more famous than 90% of the locker room and edge responds in such a way that it's like you outed yourself for the very reason everyone hated you is because you were an asshole that was so entitled and it got like the audience like fully behind edge here who kind of like had his like baby face retort here. I, I think edge edge was fantastic in this segment uh, Miz as well, but like edge is like a really, really solid promo that doesn't always get uh, mentioned as such, but uh, I, th- I thought this was really strong. I thought that this was the best segment on the show. Agreed. Liv Morgan's in the back and she responds to Becky. She says, yes, everyone is watching tonight because they want to see Liv take the title from Becky and I will do everything in my power to win the title. Next, the bro, the bro, what's it called? The bro tournament. Tournament. It's so bad. They don't don't even, it's (laughs) It's so bad. Yeah, whatever. So the Mysterios are next. It's supposed to be bad, John. Duh. Yeah, it's like. You're supposed to be upset. Yeah. Uh, the Mysterios do a pre-tape promo, and Dominic says, All of my life, I've been taught what it means to uphold the Mysterio name, and that starts with never backing down from any challengers, no matter the odds. Ray says, It's not about the size of the fight inside of us. It, Sorry. <laughs> it's about the size of the fight inside of us, not the size of our opponents. God, you totally <laughs> messed it up. <laughs> no, that was perfect. Um, yeah, man. What would you, who got the better promo this week? Was it, uh, the Mysterios or Vicky and FTR? Oh, the, oh, this week. Yeah. Oh, it was uh, definitely Vic, Vicky. Maybe, maybe Hugo's, uh, Hugo playing interpreter. Hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Vera Mahan promo. Man's coming to Raw. Did you hear? Breaking news. October 4th, everyone. The draft. Ray and Dominic versus Chad Gable and Otis. Riddle's back on commentary, so the winners will face the Street Profits on Raw next week. Uh, Dominic uh, is taking the fight to Gable. Catches him in a, a half crab, and then Dominic turns it into a cradle. He's out, and then Gable uses a dragon screw out of the corner. And then goes for the moonsault off the top, lands on his feet, and Dominic capitalizes, rolling up Gable in 314 with the idea that the Mysterios outsmarted Alpha Academy because Otis, the larger man, never got tagged in. So they outsmarted Mr. 4.0 grade point average, Chad Gable. Mm, Cool. Nice. Smart. Yes. Yeah. It was fun watching Gable and Dom together, actually. I enjoyed that. Um... And then afterwards, it was just uh, just uh, moving the team on to the semifinals or the, the finals. Mysterios against the Street Profits. Yep, yep. And then Otis attacked Riddle afterwards. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he beat up Riddle. Austin Theory. Yeah, what was one- that about? Like, is that building to something, or is it just them like getting their heat back? Um, this is how you uh, how you 
get around the tournament and you can still get a match with the tag champions. You just attack one of the guys and then you don't have to win the silly tournament. Oh, okay. Yeah, the shortcut. Got it. They're the smart one. They, it turns out Otis was actually the smartest guy. Didn't didn't take a bump here and probably gets at least a match with Riddle, if not a tag title match. Well, they lost here, so it already puts them in line. It helps. Austin Theory is warming up for his fictitious match while Vince is on the phone. But since Austin Theory was not ready the first time he was told about the match, he's therefore not going to have a match. So Austin Theory is disappointed. So Vince says, since you're not going to have a match, you have to find another way to impress me. And Austin Theory unzips his jacket to reveal his abs. This was a little creepy. These have all been super creepy. Yeah. Like, it's... <laughs> I, don't, I, so, don't know, I don't think they're intentionally creepy. Well, this, this segment felt very awkward. As his immediate reaction... It's like the Austin Theory character is... I've got this incredible body. So he's, I mean, it is, uh, if you were trying to impress Vince McMahon, um, having a body is the way you would impress this man. Certainly true. But if you don't know the history of WWF in a vacuum, this is uh, is a little off-putting. So he starts doing jumping jacks until Vince yells at him to stop and says to go impress me, use your brains. And Austin Theory gets an idea and walks away. Riveting. So, so it's it's this is now Vince McMahon on TV in 2021 for a role where he's asking this young 20-something competitor to constantly impress him. He's decided to mentor him, and he wants him to impress him. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's so weird, like, because I just... I, to me, it, Vince McMahon... These are some bad segments. Vince McMahon these is, feel like... Vince McMahon is still very much a resource in 2021. And if you're telling me that this is the best use that they can come up with, that he can come up with it for himself to use on these shows, I think that's really disappointing. You know, like there's so much you can do with Vince. Um, this just completely, to me, diminishes. I mean, it just makes him super weird. And then, the, um, yeah, I, I, I'd be curious to know if, if this is having any sort of value on any sort of rating. Yeah, I'm not saying this by any means is the best utilization of Vince McMahon, but I think that we, I think we are still drawn to the the incredible performer that this man was 20 years ago. That he is far from. Like I don't know how many segments this guy could carry or be utilized. He's but the, still, but it's the writing that's bad. You know, he could stay there and still say a line and get into the deep gravelly voice and still be and be paired with the right person and the right story, and I think be worth more than this. I would imagine Vince is very hands-on with whatever he is doing that I I don't know if it's just words in his in his mouth that are the the issue. It's just yeah, these are I just don't know what we're we're really doing. Like obviously the the intent is that Austin Theory gets something out of this association. Finn Balor and T-Bar. The story here is that Finn Balor is coming off that loss to Seth Rollins. He's trying to get back onto the winning track by taking on T-Bar. So T-Bar tosses him around. They say if T-Bar won, it would arguably be his biggest win in WWE. What is the argument? What are the hmm. landmark victories that this would be uh, falling in comparison to? I can't name one. Who Can you beat? name a T-Bar singles win in on the main roster? Did he beat Ali? Did he beat Mace? I, I cannot tell you that 100%. I don't know. So... He's on offense for quite a while, spinning boot to Balor. Balor then comes back, sling blade. He gets stopped on the top. Balor prevents a choke slam off the top, chops him, and hits the coup de grace. Three minutes and 36 seconds. So T-Bar does not have to worry about uh, checking out his wins to see how this one compares. But then he's jumped by Austin Theory, who hits Balor with the ATL and takes a selfie. Mm-hmm. This feels like NXT 2.0. Why? We've got the young guy and we have the established guy. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. You're going to see a lot of that. Um, yeah. Whatever. A, a little rehab win for Balor and then um, t- setting up this other program. Theory versus Balor. Dana Brooks just wandering in the back. Truth and Tozawa try to surprise her. Reggie flips off a truck. That was the most impressive thing here. And then Tamina chased after Dana. There was no conclusion to this. So um, Tamina may still be running after Dana in the streets of Memphis. Yeah. 
these are all, you know, they're moving very slow. And I feel like they could record like a month's worth of these in one go, you know, because we only ever see them backstage. And it's for such short periods that I, I hope these people aren't, you know, flying all over the country week after week just to do this. Yeah, for, for, for all they talk about slashing costs, if they could have like if they could sketch out enough of like a three week plan to know yeah, not for every last segment, but to know that we are going to do one 24 seven segment each week that is going to be about 60 seconds involving the same people that has no conclusion. We probably could bulk shoot these in about 30 minutes and save on travel and every other expense for a month involving these people unless like they're needed for main event especially when they were like doing the the, the ones that were outdoors i i would yeah. hope that those were filmed in bulk like if they were arriving in a different town every week to look for a remote location to shoot this like two minute obstacle course um i don't know Wait, that doesn't you, seem that did, efficient did you hear renee recently talking about like we would start raw and not have like our format sheet done. We were having notes delivered. Like it was not uncommon that an hour before the show, the show gets ripped up. So I don't think that they are looking towards like, what are we doing next week? Can we shoot all this stuff? I think that uh, that is probably way too much of an expectation. I'm sure the writing team would love it. I'm sure they would love to have like, hey, here's a six week plan that we can go to that you promise you are not going to tear this script up before we go to air. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lashley and MVP are in the back. Kevin Patrick asks, uh, why'd you guys show up? MVP says that Owens and Rollins and Biggie had the gall to have a championship match without mentioning Lashley's name. That was disrespectful, and that's what happens when you're disrespectful. Some highlights of Liv Morgan's episode of 365. Again, this was like really strong stuff to set this up uh, to the point that I, I thought this is the night you put the title on Liv. Because you have nothing for Becky at the pay-per-view, go for it. So I thought they did a very good job of building this up with the believability that you would see a title change. Yeah, I agree there. I I, I don't know if I, how I would have felt if they did change the title for something like this. Because I, I don't like these sort of hot potato victories, even if it was in a meaningful moment. Um, I, I just think Liv would have just kind of went back to square one a week later. But I, I will say I thought they did a great job of setting this up to make you think that a title change could have occurred because it felt like such an important win for the baby face that you, you know, wrestling cliche would kind of tell you that they were heading in that direction. So I, again, I wish they did all of this in the weeks leading up to it. You know, like this to me has always been the strength of the live Morgan persona in the WWE. It's not like being Lana's former lover. It's not like all the bathtub stuff she was doing, like in the t- uh, lead up to this. It's not. I've like forgotten all this stuff. Riot Squad shit, like, and it's not you know like making fun of Becky Lynch crying. Like, what what the hell was all of that when you already had this wonderful twenty four seven that was built up for her that I think did more for her than anything else that's that's occurred in this company for her. And it, obviously, they liked it enough to show it here. Unfortunately, it was just, you know, five minutes before the match and and not five weeks before the match. Yeah, I guess uh, Liv Morgan, her uh, her ode to Lita in the 2004 match does a suicide dive a hundred times safer than Lita's one, which to me is still one of the scariest spots. They replayed it. Oh, well, I mean, it's the spot you remember with that match. And I remember watching that live and it was like the most frightening thing because you knew Lita's neck problems. Regardless, it was a scary spot, but even worse so of this woman that had come back from a neck injury the year prior. Um, Anyway, that it was just. Yeah, but that's the spot they always air when they show highlights of this match because it was just frightening. But she got right back up. It was crazy. Becky hits a superplex when they return after the break. Uh, Becky's getting frustrated after the kickouts. And then Becky rolls for like an ankle pick and totally misses Liv and kind of has to adjust. Goes for an inverted DDT on Liv and then yanks her off the turnbuckle. Liv catches her with a step up into Gurry, fires up with a Thez press, step up knee in the corner, and then the code breaker off the, the middle rope. 
She hits a missile dropkick, applies the rings of Saturn. That's countered by Becky, who goes to the disarmer. Liv gets to the rope. We get, trade several covers, and then the manhandle slam gets countered with a roll-up. Becky reverses, and once again, at the last second, grabs the bottom rope and gets the three count. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, there was this little girl that they cut to periodically oh, yes, throughout the, 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 the match. Yeah. They showed her the first cutaway where she is just cheering on Liv Morgan, and then they show her after the match, and it's like the most sad cutaway to this little girl that was so disappointed. But the the counter-argument is the heat that they got out of this 10-year-old. I thought she made this, that little girl in blue. Oh, and WWE was tweeting this. like They were trying to recreate Ms. Girl with this cutaway. Oh, she was fantastic. You know, I have to say this was a match where I don't think the crowd was f- sounded that into it. Like they could have been, but at least they didn't didn't sound like they were making the level of noise that I feel like a a main event title match warranted. But I have to for say for the she- story that they had told, this match did not reach the second gear where you had this audience really behind Liv that the idea of her winning would have been this big explosion like I don't think this reached this. It was like, I didn't think it was a great match and it did not feel as though this was um, that they captured the audience in the same way that the, the videos and build up like you had, you would have hoped. I thought that little girl's reactions though, made up for the entire arena. Like they will reframe this match next week as if it was this big triumphant thing. And they will show this, these replays of this little girl really getting into it. And in many ways, I think maybe that's all you need. You know, if you can make this one person really believe in the Liv Morgan character, she certainly can, um, you know, be proud of that. I I thought the match was captivating for me simply because I thought they did a good job last minute of digging into that Liv Morgan character and making me think that something could have happened here. Um, I thought also what really added to it for me was Liv Morgan walking out and seeing her face. She's she's a a a performer who really seems to wear her heart on on her sleeve, for better or worse. Uh, but in this case, it was that, that's a good like, asset. That's that's like a great uh, character trait to have to be able to show that emotion. For this week, absolutely. She came out here, and I don't know if she was coached to act nervous. She was probably actually nervous, and she looked it. And it added so much to the match because, it, I mean, it's part of the story. It's part of the character. This is somebody who's about to go out to have the biggest performance of her life um, in storyline and also in real life. You know, being in the main event on Raw, I would say. And, and that, to me, like, drew me in to the drama of it. The match itself, I felt, was like, I think it it was up to Liv Morgan's full abilities at present time, which is to say that. I thought it was passable. It was even good at parts, but I think noticeably far from the standard of the the women's main event division. Um, but I didn't think there were any mistakes here that like derailed the match at all. They got through it successfully. And as a test for her from the back office, I, I would think that she lived up to the company's expectations for tonight. What a lame pun. Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't even oh. intend to. I was just quoting Edge. Um, yeah, no, I, to be honest, I, I thought they did like a really good job throughout this episode building this up. Uh, they, they didn't have the best crowd for this match. Um, they didn't have the that, best build for it. No, that's that's true as well. Like this was really like the, all the heavy lifting of this was done in like the, the two and a half hours uh, leading up to it. Mm-hmm. At, at the same time, like I, I don't view this like Becky title reign as like this legendary title reign. And I don't know if I would have been so quick to like this finish. It obviously builds to a rematch and you can go that way. Um, you know, may, maybe I would have a different feeling. Like if this was a crowd that was just going absolutely nuts for live, I would have said, maybe you missed something tonight by you know, just see if the audience takes to her takes to her as champion. But regardless, it looks like they'll come back maybe with some kind of st- a no bottom rope <laughs> title match. No bottom rope title match. Wow, that'll be yeah. tough. That'll be um... no rope barbed wire explosive <laughs> death match. OK, I, I do think like Becky's current storyline, you know, it 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 needs to end with Bianca Belair. Like they're still keeping Bianca very strong on the other side of 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 the show, 
and I don't think anybody should take the belt away from her unless it's Bianca Belair. That said, you know, they managed to, at least at the finish line, make a decent competitor out of Liv Morgan, which I wouldn't have said a week ago. Um, it's, it, you know, seeing like the way I think they presented Liv tonight tells you that they do have the potential to be able to build new stars and to make these sort of like, you know, mid-card women in the division feel special. I, I, I just wish that we would get a month of it rather than maybe just kind of one week. So, yeah. Yeah. And the follow-up's important, too. Like, once mm-hmm. you, you give live this treatment tonight to kind of follow up on that. And I think that they will because there's no other options for Becky at this pay-per-view. You've got her connected to live and it and it should be these two attached with, you know, something meaningful for this pay-per-view to uh, come out of this finish with. So. Do we see any sort of like character change from Liv after this? Like what, what will now, uh, like what's, what's chapter two going to, to be different? Um, In terms of like immediately? I mean, just in terms of like, you know, like, okay, I'm just strictly talking about story here. You know, like she, does she come out of this with, with renewed confidence? Did she prove to her herself anything? Does she approach the next chapter of their story any differently? I think they should have played it up. Like, I think that Liv should have had like that bigger moment in the match where she clearly had Becky beat, which they didn't have. It's like the story is she got outsmarted here and the referee didn't catch it. And it's like, maybe if you, if you had worked in something like Becky was right on the verge of tapping to the rings of Saturn or just something like that, where you had this moment that Liv has kind of proven I can beat you. It's just that you, you you cheated and were able to to beat me. So I, I would certainly have like a some kind of promo segment with her next week because you do have to build up uh, for this this rematch and use this match to try and heighten the rematch. Obviously, what, what do you think they would do a rematch? I think at the pay per view. Oh, so you think they one day would do this? Okay, interesting. Yeah. All right, that was raw. Um, the build up with, with Liv, I thought they you know. They did a good job building up to the main event throughout the episode. I really liked uh, Ms. TV mm-hmm. and the rest of the show. Um, yours to enjoy. Yeah, the rest of it was all just kind of there, pretty standard stuff. Um, didn't really get that much development for the uh, men's program. Um, Other than Lashley, who seems to be oh, you're right. attached to it now. Yeah, he came out and attacked them. So, <laughs> And then you have uh, this Bronament, RK Bronament. Oh, man. I can't. I hate saying that. Um, that's kind of it. Like, what else is important here? Wait, it was like Dewdrop. Uh, Bianca Belair is trying to KOD Dewdrop, and uh, Vince teaches. Uh, Austin Theory managed to uh, impress Vince. We think. All right. Yeah. This this was the same length as the Eternals. The Would show, your, the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This show Would that have been movie. your recap? Yeah, and then, um, you know, for like, you know, two hours and ten minutes, it was, uh, you know, some people were there. And um, yeah, they were about to fight, but uh, someone counted ten, so the the fight ended. And uh, some stuff happened, but it was, uh, there was some good talking in the middle. That was the Eternals. Yeah, no, it would be a, it would be a, a pretty, no, it would not be that quick. Let's go and read a few pieces of feedback before we sign off. We go to Vic at forum.postwrestling.com. I was really enjoying Bianca and Dewdrop until that finish. Hopefully they can have as good a match next time they face. Three women's matches on one Raw has to be a record. I don't think it is. There's been episodes that there's been women's matches, but I'd have to check. Was that Ridge Holland's theme music playing during Liv's video package? Dude, I could not for the life of me tell you what Ridge Holland's theme music sounds like. So it very well could be. I have no idea. Not the slightest hint of what Ridge Holland's theme music sounds like. Me neither. No. I Um, must be mistaken, but I didn't see Raw trending on Twitter at all tonight. That doesn't usually bode well for ratings, as I've noticed whenever NXT isn't trending, the ratings are down. I guess what we will see on on Tuesday, if this was a show that... uh, I mean, they. it's funny because... I looked at this show and it was like they they announced like three key things on Friday for tonight's show. However, if I was to tell you SmackDown was going to be their lowest number since the Thunderdome for Friday's show that featured Brock coming back and a universal title match you promoted throughout the show, I was very surprised by that number. 
I don't even know how like people check trends. I mean, are we talking trailer tailored trends or or um all trends and how do you check that? Cuz for me, the it it's at least number 12 in Canada trends. Does that mean anything? Does this shit mean a thing? I don't know. I don't put a whole lot of stock in in trending, but uh there you go. Okay, Sometimes we got to correlate we go to Kate from Montreal, who will be talking about SmackDown with me this coming Friday. She will also be joining me for a special post-news update on Thursday. Breaking news here. Just announced for all of you. Kate from Montreal says, Although I never thought Liv was going to win the title, when I saw the video promo they did for her and how much time they gave the match, it did occur to me that they could have put the title on her, then moved it back to Becky at day one, and they could have potentially created another star for the women's division. Becky was always going to prevail in the in the feud, but I think adding that element of surprise would have made Liv feel like a bigger deal. Sasha felt like a bigger star when she won the title against Charlotte on Raw, even though she dropped it at the next pay-per-view. I'm not sure what was going on with Lashley's interference and the cage match. Did somebody at WWE watch Dynamite and assume that picture-in-picture picture was standard for all wrestling shows? Sort of seems like we might be headed for a four-way on January 1st. Still feels like Kevin's job is to take the pin and then disappear until his contract expires or he decides to re-sign. An awesome timing for a Chris Cuomo reference. Very impressive. I, I missed the Chris Cuomo reference. I did as well. I'm sure maybe it was Graves that uh, worked it in there. But um, okay. yeah, timely. Yeah, I mean, they could have put the belt on Liv. I, I personally just feel like she, her the interest in her character has not been up to the level yet. And I think we saw, like, can we realistically say they made a new star in Nikki Ash by giving her the championship? No, it would be the idea of if if Liv won that there would be, you know, maybe it would it would spark something and and you and you ride the wave. But in a nutshell, like if it was just, you know, we're throwing the title on Liv just for the sake of it and taking it back off her, uh, that's not going to do anything for her. And if anything, it could be, you know, one step forward to two back. Yeah. And I don't think the crowd is connecting with her yet. I wouldn't say they were connecting with her at all until maybe moments of this match. And even this match, I think, was a bit difficult. Next week, we'll be telling to see if they are indeed building this up towards day one, how they build off of whatever momentum that they have coming off of this. And if she managed to gain any any fans off of this week. All right. That is going to wrap it up for our review of Raw. Once again, we're back Tuesday live, 1 p.m. Eastern at YouTube.com slash Post Wrestling. Audio version available for all members at PostWrestlingCafe.com. And Cafe members will get Ask Away on Tuesday night as we go through the mailbag. Several months worth of questions to get to, Way. Yeah, lots of it. I'm looking forward to it. You know, these Me are too. Usually- I, I always enjoy doing this show. It's, it's the easiest to prepare for. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, and you and I will uh, will tackle many, many questions. People tend to ask some pretty good questions, um, other than the the weird one about fingers and <laughs> lengths of legs and lengths of arms. You're you're maybe maybe whale want to answer that one. Um, would I rather have a long arm but short fingers, or short arms but long? Fingers? I can't I can't remember the wording <laughs> of it. I just I went. think I would rather have long arms and short fingers. Like I feel like I I could reach things bit better anyway <laughs> um we are we are overextending ourselves with this show length but up that next is it. up next tomorrow uh it might be a big one everybody you know johnny yes. gargano so t- tune into our friends at up next on uh twitch as well as on their feed afterwards yes they'll be live 10 15 p.m eastern time twitch.tv slash up next podcast check out their review of war games and that's it for us have a good night